welcome to IOM3 Investigates, the podcast series of the Institute of Materials, Minerals and Mining. We are one of the UK's major science and engineering institutions and our activities are focused on the promotion and development of all aspects of the materials cycle. These include the science, design, engineering and technology of materials, minerals and mining and their practical applications. We facilitate qualifications, professional recognition and development, share knowledge and provide networking services to a global membership and wider community. We hope you enjoy our podcast series. Delighted to present this IOM3 WIM3 podcast series focused on speaking with women in various backgrounds and industries, from engineering and materials to minerals and mining, to chat a bit about their careers and how they got to where they are now, be it by education, industry, or other routes. In this podcast, I'm joined by Jennifer Haig, who has been awarded a CNG, CN, and Fellow of the Institute of Materials, Minerals and Mining. Jennifer works for Veolia, the world's largest environmental services provider, providing water, energy and waste treatment solutions for both municipal and industrial clients. Jennifer's career spans over 15 years, comprising work in England, Hong Kong, Australia and China. Having started her career in asset management for the regulated water business in England, she is currently business development manager China, where she is responsible for developing new projects with strategic key account clients to design and deliver industrial water and wastewater treatment solutions for facilities in China. This has included leading the tender management of some of the largest built bids in Asia-Pacific in the last 10 years, ranging from industrial water and wastewater treatment, design, build, operate, BDO contracts, to desalination contracts. Jennifer has been involved with IOM3 for over 20 years, starting as IOM3 student representative at Imperial College London in 2000. More recently, she has been a member of the IOM3 Hong Kong Branch Council since 2016. In 2020, she was voted as Honorary Secretary of the IOM3 Hong Kong Branch Council for the 2020 to 22 term. She is the first female in this role. Hello, Jennifer, and thank you very much for agreeing to participate in our IOM3 WIM3 podcast series. If we could start by you telling me a little bit about your educational background and how you were first introduced to the possibility of a career involving materials, minerals and mining. Of course. Well, firstly, thank you very much for um, inviting me to share my experience. Um, So I was originally introduced to the possibility of a career in engineering by my physics teacher at secondary school. And I was also very fortunate to participate in two residential engineering introduction courses where we could stay overnight at a university and take mini classes. One was organized by Women into Science and Engineering and the other by the Royal Academy of Engineering. And 
that was it. From then on, I was decided engineering was for me and that was the way I was going to go. Um, I then decided to study um, environmental mining and petroleum engineering at Imperial College in London. And that was also where I was introduced to the Institute of Materials, Minerals and Mining and have been involved with the Institute um, for over 20 years now. Upon leaving university, there were different options available. Uh, I decided to pursue a career in the environmental field that was then focusing, um, started from uh, municipal water and then evolved into looking more now at industrial water solutions. So still touching on the topics around uh, mining and obviously the material choice in water treatment is very important. Um, so come back to the key topics from studying. Uh, in terms of the introduction, um, it really was those two residential courses from Women into Science and Engineering, um, and then also the other one by the Royal Academy of Engineering. Thank you. I, I think that's really important because I think STEM engagement for uh, people still at school is critical because when you apply for uh, university courses, you don't always really understand what engineering is when you're still at school. So I think it is definitely. Yeah, I yeah, think it's, it's critical. Not a topic, as you say, it's, it isn't a subject that is taught as engineering at secondary school. Uh, obviously, we have the physics and mathematics. Um, I also really enjoyed geography, which was nice to have some of the physical geography and the geology as part of my degree at Imperial. Um, at one point, I was thinking of doing electrical and electronic engineering, but I'm really glad that I decided on um, the environmental earth resources, mining and petroleum. And I also feel very fortunate to have been able to um, participate in um, but there are these courses available to students. Um, I don't know. This is a few more years than I would possibly like to admit ago. And I hope that these courses are still available because it's a wonderful way of being able to go to a university, take example classes, mini lectures, work on projects, and get a really good feel for also the different engineering subjects available at different universities okay. it's not just you know civil engineering or the mechanical there are other fields as well and um, i think the materials and mining field are less well known thank you can you describe your current role and your career path to get there sure so my um my current role is global account business development for mainly industrial water solutions. Um, and my geographical remit is um, most recently has been China and I'm now moving to uh, cover Asia. Uh, I started my career in asset management in the regulated water business in London, where I was involved in strategic studies to ensure that operational assets were capable of delivering acceptable service to the customers from source to tap. Um, England is one of the few places in the world where it's a fully privatized water um, service. And so it's a very unique experience to have worked on 
drought management plans and conducting analysis of cross-border bulk water transfers, um, looking at you know, regular and emergency conditions, also uh, supply-demand analysis. And um, having now worked overseas in a lot of other countries, you will operate a water treatment plant. And so you look at those needs and the, the material elements of that and your treatment systems. Um, but in terms of the wider environment and how you are managing the supply demand issues, it was quite unique to have that in the UK. In 2007, I moved to Hong Kong. Um, having never been to Asia, that was quite a big leap. I was like, yep, sounds fantastic, I'll go. And um, very fortunate to, um, with the projects and work that I've been doing, to be offered a role as a special projects manager for the CEO of Asia. And I worked on um, organizational management methodologies, corporate risk management, looking at some of the technical reporting. Uh, so it was a little more generalized. And after a few years, I moved to Australia, where it went back more, became more technical and it was involved in um, the bid management for a major industrial project, which luckily we won, um, for coal seam gas uh, process uh, water treatment plant. And it was an amazing experience. And it was fantastic to be part of the bid team, but then also the I was moved into transition uh, management and the operational startup team. So really getting that breadth of knowledge across, not just in you know, business development, the commercial, but really getting knowing hands-on what it's like to start up the plant um, transition it from construction into operations. Yeah, it was pretty amazing. Um, and then from there, I moved um, back to Hong Kong and China to transfer um, some of the knowledge around um, the Colson gas project um, and, and tight gas uh, experience and what the what some of the solutions are required and the standards in the industry that's um, still today one of our flagship projects in that field. Uh, so that brought me into China looking at a particular segment, market segment, and then now working as the global key account manager because I was working with some of the international petroleum companies on uh, projects and for the consistency in messaging and that relationship management, I was given my experience, they identified me as having the, um, the skill set required. And I think that's something for, um, for people coming out of university, it's something important as you progress in your career. Is not just having necessarily the technical skills, but then also having a, some commercial experience I found has been really useful that I have the two and can straddle the, the, the two teams and bring people and ideas together. Um, so, yes, yeah, so I dotted around a bit, worked on different topics, um, being able to see some great projects, 
um, work with some fantastic people and it's connecting the ideas and um, the experience, which has um, put me in, have a unique skill set. Thank you. And your role covers a very large geographical area. Has the COVID-19 pandemic affected how you've been able to work over the last two years? It's had a, a huge impact. Hmm. Um, I was like the George Clooney character out of um, sort of up in the air or something where it's like on a plane every week, collecting all the air miles and, you know, everyone in the office is going, oh, you know, what status are you? Um, so it's gone from that to zero. I think a lot of people have changed the way they work. Prior to COVID, there was a great pressure that you had to be physically in the same room as people, even yeah. sometimes if it was a half hour meeting internal or with a client. Mm. At the beginning, so I was mainly going into China mm. and China closed its borders to everybody. Yeah. So my international clients were in the same position as us that yeah. they couldn't travel and their people couldn't travel. So they were isolated from the rest of their company and everyone went to video calls. So in that respect, it didn't have such a major impact at the beginning because we were all in the same situation. Yeah. Now, we um, within China, they can travel. So the local teams are focusing more on, on different projects where there's that geographical specificity where you, you need to be there and you need to be in person. Yeah. With some of the bigger global key accounts that I work with, um, because we'd already met, then we were able to move online and continue moving things. Do you miss out by not being able to see a client for two years? Yes. Um, for, and, and I think also for those listening who aren't in Hong Kong, China, or Asia, there are still travel restrictions in place here um i hear from family and friends that <laughs> they're all going on holiday in europe and the uk they got skiing they go to the beach and eh, we're not quite at that point um so there are still some challenges and then it becomes a case of identifying well who are the best correspondents locally and how can we work with them um and I'm very grateful this has happened now, not five, 10 years ago, when the video conferencing capabilities were not there. So yeah, well, I guess all the, all the progress has been made with you know, engineering solutions and the materials available. And um, it's, yeah, very fortunate that we have the different technical solutions available now. Yes. And Jennifer, what do you consider to be your most significant achievement in your career so far and why? I still go back to the experience in Australia. It was, I'm really proud of that. Um, it was a contract, so as I mentioned, full of coal seam gas uh, produced water um, in the Surat Basin in Australia, um, which basically is a five, six hour drive west from Brisbane into the middle of the Australian bush to the town we'll be stayed in and then another hour out to site it was that sense of delivering a fantastic bid winning it and then working with everyone to deliver to really be there with the transitioning and the operational startup 
you know, shift changes at five, six in the morning, going through all the issues, what are the checklists? Um, okay, there are punchless items, working with the construction uh, team who um, we won the operations and maintenance contract uh, and the construction contract was with a different supplier. So obviously then that's, it was interesting looking at where all the boundaries were and trying to work with different teams. And also, this is obviously uh, a talk for the women with the Institute. I was the only female engineer on site, sometimes one of the only female, only women on site, and, and one of the youngest as well. And so I was really proud to be there, to be part of it, to be respected by the guys, showing up, delivering, not complaining about the fact that we were sitting in porter cabins <laughs> freezing cold <laughs> in the middle of winter, were literally sitting on the ground were with computers on our laps, having client meetings. So it was great satisfaction in winning the project and then delivering on it and working with a client, problem shooting, looking at the reporting for them, moving the project on. And it was that from there, it gave me the confidence to move on and continue working on some of the largest bids that we've done in Asia uh, since then. And it's not, it's also the fact that these aren't small projects, we're talking multi-million pound projects and that I've been given that responsibility. Um, I, yeah, I can say I'm pretty proud of that. Yeah. Um, oh. And then sort of separate to work um, with the Institute, I've been on the IOM3 Hong Kong branch council since 2016 and two years ago I was nominated as the honorary secretary to the council so I'm only the second woman who's ever been on council and I'm the first woman to be um, uh, one of the officers so that I'm the first woman as honorary secretary so quite proud of that achievement as well. Thank you. And um, what's the biggest obstacle or challenge you faced in your career and how did you overcome it? To be perfectly frank, sexism, um, harassment, stereotyping, sidelining, you name it. I've had the comments thrown at me. Uh, yes. So from whether I should uh, change my husband if he doesn't agree with a career move, um, being told that I've abandoned my child because I'm on a business trip, or that I should give up my job to look after my child, um, being taken for like the blonde, ditzy intern or whatever it is. Like, mm. um, unfortunately, 2022, it's still an issue. Um, mm. Engineering is very male dominated. Um, so we do come up across this um, still. Overcoming it, um, you do sometimes have to work harder to prove mm. your metal. Um, I think also continually showing up, being there, got to have a thick skin and be able to joke about things. Yeah. Um, and for me, there are certain instances, if I go back to Australia, I was there, I was doing, I was staying in the same accommodation, like motels as every, all the other guys. Mm. I was doing the hours, doing the shift changes and everything else. Mm. And 
even if at the first they treat you as some little princess at the end of it they're like okay no you've done everything you've done more than some of the guys and you haven't complained you earn their respect um and so sometimes there is a bit of that of um and I, I've seen it with sport training I do because outside of work I uh, row mm-hmm. and you put in the hours, you do the early morning sessions and you earn people's respect. Yeah, it's shocking how in some ways things have changed, but in other ways they're still the same because I've spent most of my career in the steel industry and okay. in, in some respects things have moved on, but in other ways after you know, 30 years, some aspects are still just as bad. You know, it's, it is quite shocking in some ways. It is shocking. Um, I don't want to put off. If no. anyone is listening to this um, in the future is coming out of university going, oh my gosh, that sounds terrible. It isn't all bad. There are some instances and you go, I'm sorry. Please tell me you don't just say that. And there are, um, I think, speaking up. I know everyone goes, oh, jokingly, oh, you need to be confident. You don't necessarily, if you're a little shy, that's fine. But also being very clear on that is not acceptable. Is You you need to stand your ground. Yeah, I agree. And I I think also after you have a bad experience, you've got to pick yourself up and keep going. And sort of confirm in your mind that you actually do want this career and carry on rather than giving up yes i i love this domain i people can say it's a bit contrary i've loved building ever since i was little i was all over legos not barbies um and i love taking this into the what's the environmental field and seeing how can we come up with better solutions um, for industry, whether it's how we uh, reuse um, materials, what is it that we need to, to improve air quality, water quality, and looking at where technology is taken and the possibilities and having solutions in place. And that passion drives me. And Yes, you can be undermined. Um, you can be made to question, gosh, you know, do I belong here? You do. And you're, whoever's listening to this, you belong. Your opinion, your experience, your voice is really important. And it's something I'm very passionate about because we all bring something different to the table. What are your future career plans and professional ambitions? Change the world, of course. Um, <laughs> uh, so I become more and more passionate around the environmental side of business and solutions for industry. And I think that seeing companies come up and talking about um, net zero carbon goals, It's a really exciting space uh, to be in. Um, There are finite resources. So looking at how we can reuse, re-engineer, recycle them is going to be a fascinating space to be in, especially as 
water and climate risks are increasing um, all the time. And the World Economic Forum um, released um, top 10 global risks by severity and water and climate risks dominated the top 10 list. It was a top three and then it represented, there were another two, so it was five out of the 10 with a top three were all water and climate related. So definitely want to continue working in the sphere and, and pushing that area. Also um, doing, seeing what we can do with the IOM3 Hong Kong Branch Council to better support our female members in Hong Kong. And I think also, especially with everything people have gone through with COVID, um, sometimes the, there's been additional pressure on women in the workforce than on the men in terms, especially if they have families and children in terms of all the online learning and, and managing the other elements of life. Those two elements, I, I would say, in terms of supporting our female members and helping to grow that uh, area. And then on the other side from work, seeing what we can do um, with, the environmental engineering sustainability field obviously looking at it from that sort of materials and mining perspective and working with industries on um, better solutions okay and is, is there anything you wish you'd known or done differently at the start of your career that you'd recommend to someone embarking on a career in a materials related discipline now so for someone embarking on a career I would say finding a good mentor is really useful. Um, some companies have mentoring programs. Some companies don't. It doesn't always have to be somebody in your company, but somebody you can talk with, get a different, have a different perspective, and can give you some guidance um, is very useful. For me, having moved from the UK to Asia, I feel like I lost out a little bit on some of that mentoring and also the route through to chartership, um, going from a more Anglo-Saxon environment to a French environment. There's a difference in approach there to engineering and the development path. Um, the other point I would mention would be, depending on the career path you plan on, um, actually possibly for any career path, technical, having technical knowledge and skills is fantastic. So I would, with hindsight, I think having an extra couple of years of more technical would have been great before going into more project management, business development, um, et cetera. The other thing is having communication and having some commercial skills is invaluable, no matter what your role, because in at university and you're selling research, you're wanting to get resources. Are you working in the field? Even if you're not in sales, you still need to work with a lot of people internally in a company to deliver on projects or on goals and getting people together um, behind a goal um, is really important. So I'd say don't, yes, make sure you build up your technical skills. Some of what people classify as more softer skills are also very important in the workplace. Yeah, I agree. Okay. 
Thank you very much. I, I don't know whether you found that's been um, important with Defin your career as well. Defin definitely. And certainly when I'm, I've been recruiting uh, graduates um, or even year in industry placement students, it's the what else they bring together with their technical knowledge. Because quite often the entry to getting an interview is that you've got the technical degree. So all of the candidates are coming in with at that level and it's the what else they can offer, which is often experience or the softer employability skills to go with their engineering degree. So yes, if anyone listening to this is in university or fresh out of university, having the extracurricular is really valuable. I've noticed that with some of the, but there's a bit of a difference also in education styles between different countries. And I've worked with some people in Asia who it's just great at the technical and inside the box. But if you're wanting to say, okay, I've got six boxes, let's figure out how to put it together, or connecting all the different dots and having something new. It's not, it's not necessarily taught. Um, it's something you can learn over time, but having that curiosity as well, I would say is in, uh, important. Yeah, definitely. And I, I think if people have got the curiosity and a thirst to keep growing their knowledge and skills, that's even more important than coming into a role fully formed. Yeah, because you don't stop learning when you're at university. No, definitely not. You need to keep learning, stay hungry, stay curious. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. If you would like to find out more about the IOM3 Women in Materials, Minerals and Mining Group, please visit the IOM3 website at www.iom3.org or follow us on LinkedIn by searching IOM3 Women in Materials, Minerals and Mining. Please also don't forget to subscribe to hear more from us through Apple, Google Podcasts or Spotify. information about us visit iom3.org or to keep up to date with our latest news follow us on social media using at iom3 on twitter and at the institute of materials minerals and mining on linkedin if you're interested in our upcoming podcasts or want to get involved please subscribe to hear more from us through apple google podcasts or spotify